while working for what you want, be happy with what you have. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. Thanks for giving me a shot. You can subscribe to the show on all of the major social networks, including uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can also subscribe where all of the major podcasts are distributed, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. For a limited time, get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks, completely free for 30 days. Sign up for this exclusive offer at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org. While working for what you want, be happy with what you have. Gratitude and patience are the subjects of this morning's podcast. So this one is extremely timely for me. I don't know if you've ever tried to build something or wait for something to grow, but <laughs> it it requires a tremendous amount of patience. And I've really been struggling with patience for for probably the last two or three months. And the problem is, is I get hyper-focused on an end result. And my expectations and desires get wrapped up in these expectations. And I don't know if you're like me, but when you get excited about something or you're passionate about something, you want it to grow and you want it to be somewhere it's not frequently. And we do this to ourselves too, right? When we're, you know, maybe we're pursuing a career or developing a new hobby. We don't like the process. We don't like that it takes time to get good at something. We don't like that we have to practice. We don't like that we have to put in the work. You know, it's like secretly we just we just want to do the work for a tiny bit of time, and then we want it magically all to just be good, where we think we do. And the reason I love this quote, by the way, these quotes, they're based on the feedback I get on the on the Facebook page. The reason I love this one, and you, you guys selected it, was it contrasts two really important things, working and happiness. Now, for many of us, reality is not such that our work makes us happy. And when I mean happy, I mean we don't find a huge amount of fulfillment in our jobs. Completely normal. Work, I believe, in, in a lot of ways, is meant to be a burden. I think that's part of the reason it gives us self-esteem, is because we, we are sacrificing a part of ourselves when we work. That's what service is all about. And so there's part of us that, that, that resents that. And, and honestly, that's biblical. So <laughs> you may not be a religious person. That's totally fine. But it really shocked me when I read the line in, in Genesis where, um, you know, this was after the creation and everything. And it's the Cable and Ain story. Uh, cable. No, I think it was Genesis. Sorry, I don't remember the specific story. Anyways, there's a line where he says, you will toil with the ground and it will produce the was it figs and thistles for you or I can't remember the specifics it doesn't matter but the point is it's like you will work at the ground and it will be toil and it will be hard from the sweat of your brow you'll you'll harvest your food and it'll be a struggle and it's like wow that really does define work and part of me was kind of bothered by the curse because you know it's like why don't we enjoy our work you know, 
Why, why aren't we supposed to enjoy our work? But the truth is, is we do enjoy it, but we don't enjoy it. So this is the really weird thing, you know, that I've kind of discovered. I, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many paradoxes in life. And, and, I, and I could be wrong about this, but so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in the comments or message me or whatever. But I don't think I am because a, Peterson also talks about it too. Is we were meant to carry a load. And, and by a load means we were meant to work. We were meant to have something in our lives that challenges us, that it's a burden to carry. And we don't think we want to carry it, frequently complain about carrying it. But there's this really weird byproduct of carrying it and carrying it well. And it's self-esteem. You know, we don't, we think that we don't want to work. We think that we hate our jobs. But the truth is, without them, we it's hard to find purpose. And even if we're doing what we, we love, and, and that's a good thing, right? And good for you if you do. Hang on to that. You know, if we can find that nice, perfect cross-sectionality where we do what we love and it's work, in other words, we can get paid for it, great. But for most of us, work is a burden. But it comes with that wonderful self-esteem of a job done. And if we if we focus on this more, on this working thing, and and we say, you know what, I'm going to stop resenting my work. Instead, I'm going to embrace my work and I'm going to do it well. A very, very bizarre thing starts to happen. And that is it transforms into this really, really awesome self-esteem. Like if we walk into the office every day and there's work to be done. And rather than sitting there and being bitter and doing bare minimum and saying, oh, I can't wait to get home. If we look around us, and this was something that I was grateful to, to having grown up in an entrepreneurial home. If we look around us and we see things that need to be done and we do them, not only does it make our jobs more fulfilling, but it creates opportunities for us because people see that you're willing to do the small things. So the better we are at our jobs and, and the more aware we become and the more we put our pride aside and embrace whatever work crosses our desk or maybe it even doesn't cross our desk we just see an opportunity this is one of the uh the rules in peterson's book it says opportunity lies where abdication uh where opportunity lies hang on rules for life opportunity i want to make sure i get it right where uh yes Opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. And I believe this is true. Like if you if you started a job today, let's say you're just now starting a job and you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, what value can I get from this today, Craig? And I'm hoping this is the one takeaway you have. Being the son of a business owner, I, I got to hear the frustrations that came with that when he came home on a daily, my father came home on a daily basis. And, and, and I worked along, I've worked alongside him my whole life. And I can honestly tell you for sure, the number one frustration most employers have and managers have is the abdication of responsibility. It's the, the mentality that that's the not, that's not my job mentality. And and it's generally for the small things, right? Um, so 
the most valuable person on the floor is always the person willing to learn, adapt, and try to help. Now, I don't mean they go out and take other people's work from them. That's not what I mean. What I mean is where this responsibility is abdicated. The work that everybody is avoiding, it could be something as small as taking out the trash. Seriously. If you notice something that's just being neglected and then you just start taking care of it or volunteer to take care of it, if that's more appropriate, you will become the best kind of employee to your managers. Think of it in a a restaurant context. You know, it's like there's people who are not rolling up the dishes or they're not cleaning up the tables or they're not wiping down the counters. Now, I don't mean you do it to make other employees look bad. Don't do that. Managers don't like that. But if there is a certain task that's being avoided and it's not your responsibility and it's nobody's responsibility, what would you look like if you walked up to your boss and you said, hey, I've noticed this is we're having trouble keeping this straightened out. Can I can I do that? Is that something I can do? You will be shocked at the response you get because because what it shows, it shows a couple things. It shows that you are not only willing to learn something new, but it shows that you care just on a fundamental level. You care enough about, I mean, think about it as a captain on a ship. You care enough about the ship to tell the captain, hey, this part of the ship needs work. Do you want me to work on it? It shows that you care not only about the captain, but also the crew, but also that the ship keeps running well. So it's like just this small act of of seeking out or observe or just paying attention to what's going on around you at work and then and then notice where there's there are things being neglected. And he may not even the manager may not even notice it's being neglected. And again, you have to be careful with this. You do not do this to step on other people's toes. That because that will cause more problems for the manager than than is necessary. But having this attitude creates a I think creates two things. It 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 gives you that opportunity to continue to grow and thrive wherever you work, because you can do this anywhere. Listen, no jobs are too small. You know, and this is a this is also a biblical verse. This is a Christian. You know, he, he who wants to be greatest must first be least. You know, this is a fundamental principle of life that just is, is a secret recipe. It's a secret formula for success. Wherever you walk into, whatever room you walk into, you have to be willing to be the worst person in that room. There's a parable that's in the Bible, too, where a guy goes to a wedding and he chooses, he's like a famous guy, and he chooses to sit at the worst table at the at the wedding feast so that the host has an opportunity to walk up to him and say, why are you sitting at the worst table? Let me put you at the best table. So in other words, the point is, is, is you don't look for, celebrate, uh, look for opportunities that are quote unquote, you're worthy of. You seek out the opportunities that you are, you are least likely to be worthy of. And then what happens is, is the people around you elevate you rather than you elevating yourself. Because they start to see that you have that humility and you don't think yourself better than other people. And and that's a wonderful secret. So that's, so that's the first thing that it does. Now, before I get into the second thing, we're at that time. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out. 
Because you listen to this show for a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial. That's right, for 30 days, my listeners get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog as well as an additional free title of their choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, guess what? No problem. You can cancel instantly online. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. So pause this podcast and head over to Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now. Love Audible. Great opportunity to listen to some books. And actually, the 12 Rules for Life book I was talking about is on there. The audiobook is great. So the second thing that this does is it, first of all, it creates that opportunity to, to really grow rapidly in a company. I'm telling you, if you did this every day, if you walked in there and you just volunteered for the jobs everybody's avoiding, you would run that company within or that division or that branch or be put into a position of power within three to five years. On There's no doubt in my mind. Take that position of humility and willingness to grow. You will be unstoppable in the workforce. Second thing it does, it gives you self-esteem. So this is where that second part comes in is, um, you know, while you're doing your work or while, you know, they let me go back to the quote, while working for what you want, be happy with what you have. The self-esteem comes from a, a job well done, not just a job done. I mean, it feels pretty good to do the bare minimum. You know, it's like, oh, well, I did my duty for today. But there is a, a wonderful self-esteem that comes from the willingness to dig into and do something really well. People with OCD understand this better. Like I have mild OCD. I just do. I have that, I have that tendency, that obsessive nature. And, and I don't want to diminish OCD. It's a real condition. But I do have a small degree of it. And, and there is a disturbing satisfaction in staring at something well, I work for I work on a website. So staring at something and refining it and then refining it again, then refining it again, then and then finally obsessively doing it and shifting it around and observing it and getting it just where it needs to be. And you're like, yes, this is this is good. This is where it needs to be. Now when you you do something really well, first of all, it will occupy a huge amount of your time. But second of all, you, you start to develop, and this is something people completely miss, you start to develop an intimacy with it. Because the more time you spend with something, the more, more of a connection you make with it. It kind of become, starts to become an extension of yourself and your personality. This is especially true for something creative. And so when you spend an immense amount of time on something and you do it really well and you do it your way or your discovered way and, and you, you take all of your experience and you combine it into it, and then it's finally done. There's a tremendous self-esteem that comes with this. And, um, and I think that's the secondary part of this carrying a load thing. Is you can really start to transform your, your, your work into something purposeful when it's not just about making money. And I don't think you need to do, quote unquote, what you think you want to do. You're, I don't think you have to do, quote unquote, what you love to do. To, to find that self-esteem in your job. You may not love your job, quote unquote, but you can love the person you are at your job. That might be worth repeating. You may not 
be able to love your current job, but you can love the person you are at your job. You can love the attitude that you take through every day. You can love the quality of the work that you perform. You can love that you, you are intentional about doing it well. And you can really start to, you can really squeeze the maximum amount of, maximum amount of self-esteem out of that job by doing that and by seeking or seeing opportunity where, sorry, I don't have it. It noticing that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated, you know? And so I think, I think as you kind of, as you, we focus in on this, this kind of does bear the fruits of that second part of that sentence is be happy with what you have. I think while working for what you want, be happy with what you have. I think the, the contrast here is you can really have it both ways. You could have a vision of where you want to be in five years and not be there yet. But while you're working toward that, you can do what you are currently doing really, really well. And if you do it really, really well, there's going to be a tremendous self-esteem that comes with it. And that allows you to be, at the moment, happy with what you have. Does that make sense? I think, I hope I'm making sense. Because the, to me, the, the biggest takeaway from this quote was, you can do both. You can be happy with where you're at while working for where you want to be. And this is, these are just some of the, the tools I've done, I've used to kind of help with that. And I, and I struggle with it. Like there's, there's days where I struggle with it. And I have to sit down and remind myself, no, that's a lie. If I, if I convince myself that I'm miserable right now and I won't be happy until I have what I want, that's a lie. That's greener grass syndrome. That's a trap. We need to avoid that. Because here's the thing is if we can't find happiness where, with where we're at right now, if we can't find a way to, to, to just extract what happiness we can, the dirty little ugly secret is if I pick you up and drop you in a new environment, you may be happy for a little while, but eventually it's going to become work again. I know you might not think that. You're like, oh, well, but this is what I want. I'm like, I'm telling you, when you have what you want, you're going to be surprised at how quickly. If you have steak every day, eventually it starts to taste like dirt. So it's one of those things where, where, where once the novelty wears off of wherever you think you want to be or whatever you think you want, there will be an unhappiness that springs up. And we have to reconcile that. We have to come to terms with the reality that there is, there is a deeper level of intimacy. There is a deeper level of happiness. There is a deeper level of joy that comes in, that comes from things when you do them well and when you embrace them fully and wholly. And this doesn't have to be miraculous mountaintop stuff, guys. This is like, this is like taking care of your house. Think about your house and everything that's in it. Do you know if you decided today that you were like, you know what? I'm going to be the best homeowner there is. Do you realize how much work that would be? It would occupy all of your time because there's never a time where there's not something that needs to be done around the house. And so when, when we, when we really, really honestly take an inventory of the things around us, there is a lot of opportunity and work that, that can be done to do something well. 
But the problem is, is we have to overcome our desire to do it. You know, like the, the lack of motivation. We're like, well, I don't want to. It's like, well, you don't want to. But that's where the that's where the self-esteem is, is overcoming the I don't want to. <laughs> if we only did the things we wanted to do all the time, we wouldn't have any self-esteem from them because. What is it? The ill-gotten gains are po- are like poison. There's a quote that that's related to that. I know. Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of throwing random quotes out here today. But ill-gotten gains are unappreciated gains, right? If you don't if you don't work for it and you don't make some sacrifice, especially emotional sacrifice in the process of pursuit, then when you finally get it, you're not going to value or appreciate it. This is a universal truth about reality. The sooner we accept it, the better. The sooner we accept the reality that nothing good, very few things of value require no work. And the more we work for it, the more valuable, the more we will value it when we finally get it. Think about it in this context. With, with borrowing money, we, we do the reverse. Maybe this will help, this example. And I do this too, so I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not judging you, but we do the reverse with borrowing. We get the thing first, and then we work for it. And I want, to th- I want you to think about your relationship with the thing you borrowed. So when you get the thing first, and then you start paying for it. Let's say you get the 12-month no financing deal. I'm, I, I do this too. I'm just throwing this out there. So I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just observe your emotional emotions on, about that thing. So if you get it first, and then you're paying for it, the first few months you don't mind paying for it. But then as your excitement and desire for it starts to diminish, those payments start to become heavier and heavier and heavier. And then you start to feel like you're enslaved, which you are, by the way. That's what borrowing is. It's voluntary slavery. I do it too, so I'm just throwing it out there, but that's what it is. If you you start to feel enslaved to the object you once desired, if you get it first, now, Let's contrast that with the other option. Let's say you want to buy something. And rather than just buying it up front, you decide to save for it. Well, as you save for it from month to month, two weird things happen. First of all, usually that item costs less and less over time, especially if it's a gadget. Sorry, I'm a tech guy. Second thing that happens is it builds anticipation. And then... When you finally reach that day, let's say you did the 12-month savings plan that you saved up for 12 months, and then you finally go out and you buy it. Think about your relationship with that thing now. First of all, it didn't enslave you, which means you officially own it the moment you buy it. So you you don't carry the burden that comes with it. Second of all, there's not a reminder every month of how this object is enslaving you. So it actually enriches your relationship with the thing that you bought. Funny how this works, isn't it? So there's more to this whole borrowing thing and this working thing and this saving thing than meets the eye. It's like, well, we, we, want, we want it now, though. You know, it's like, but what we want is not always what's best for us. You know, it, a lot of it is, is, our, is our misunderstanding of how our emotional reward systems work. It's like the anticipation is part of the desire, right? The not being able to have it is part of the reason it's amazing when we finally have it. And 
this is something that kids get better than anybody else because kids are extremely limited. They can't buy everything they want, but all they do, they're constantly surrounded by things they can't have yet. And so then when you finally present them with an opportunity, say, hey, you know what? If you work, for the, if you work, I'll give you an allowance. And then when you have an allowance, you can go out and buy the things that you want. They get super excited because you've presented them with an opportunity to, to obtain what they want and to work for it. Now, are they excited about working? No, they're exciting about fulfilling the anticipation that's been building up. And, and that's really the cornerstone of valuing things and appreciating them. And I don't do this super well, but the point is, 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 is the working for something is part of the good of the thing that you want. If you get it immediately and right away, you will not appreciate it. And I'm talking to myself about this too, because perfect example is the podcast. You know, I'm putting a lot of work into it and it's, it's never, of course, I'm always dissatisfied. It's never growing the way I want it to grow. I should be here. I should be here now. I should be here now. I should be here now. I'm like constantly critiquing and, and analyzing and obsessing about the numbers. But then it's like, well, then I read a quote like this and I'm doing the reminder this morning. I'm like, hey, Craig, guess what? While working for what you want, be happy with what you have. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, this quote is for me. <laughs> because if if I suddenly obtained a massive audience overnight, blah, 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 or the, suddenly the podcast blew up, would I appreciate it as much? As, then would I appreciate it as much if, if it happened overnight than if I have to work for it for several years to build it up? Isn't that like better? You know, it's like if, if finally in two years I I, I have a, a decent amount of people who like the show and, and they like it enough to share it and they like it enough to, to, to listen to it on a regular basis. Isn't that more valuable than a magical wand that gets waved and suddenly I'm, I'm, I'm popular or whatever. And like, who, by the way, who, I shouldn't really care about popularity. I mean, the whole point of this show is, is wisdom and the most unwise thing we can do is chase approval. <laughs> That's like quite literally one of the most unwise things we can do. So this stuff I struggle with too, guys. That's part of the reason I do the show, um, guys and gals. But anyway, um, yeah, I just think about the relationship you have with things and, and, and how we, we think we know what we want, but in reality, what we really, I think what we really enjoy and love are the things that we spend the most time with and cultivate that intimacy with and the things that we work for. Those are the things we get attached to the most because we've invested a part of ourselves and we've made sacrifices in order to get them. There are very few things in my life that I love more than the things I had to sacrifice for. My family, my job, my Heck, my car, I had to sacrifice for that. My my house, like, there's, and then there's things I can think about that I didn't sacrifice for, that I just got as a gift, or I got lucky. And it's like, I don't really value it as much. And that's kind of a scary thought, you know? It's like, if we want it, work for it. In fact, the more we have to work for it, the more we're going to value it. And so that's what we, we need to accept. We need to accept the reality of how 
we as human beings connect to things and the things that we think we want. And I do not think we can really truly love and appreciate something if we don't have some level of sacrifice in it. And that could be our time, that could be money, that could be a lot of things. So, so yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. Thank you for listening to the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast today. Before you go, you can help the show grow by sharing on all the major social networks. Right now we are on Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can also help the show grow by leaving a review on all the major podcast networks. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. You can also visit the website at wisdomworthknowing.org. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. You can sign up right now at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-V-L-E. Sorry, I had to check. A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org. Thank you for stopping by. And until tomorrow, while working for what you want, be happy with what you have. And let's be diligent about becoming the best version of ourselves we can today because, as always, That's all we can do. Have a good day.